Today is the 11th of November 2020. The act of chanting and reciting verses is a means of studying the Dhamma. It's a way to bring about wisdom and increase apanya. And it's the same with listening to the Dhamma. This is a way that we can increase our wisdom as well, because there's a kind of wisdom that arises from listening. So like when we uh, listen to the teachings about dukkha, about suffering, we can gain an understanding of this to one degree. And then when we meet with stress in our lives, we'll be able to find a way out of that. Because whenever we're born, then we'll have to constantly meet with stress. Like a small child, when they don't get then they become upset over that. But in the moment, they just forget um, what they were upset about. And later on, when they go to study at school, there's anxiety about their studies, especially when it comes, uh, when the test time comes around. Um, Then there's a lot of fear and anxiety, wondering whether they'll pass, whether they'll get to study the next grade or not. So there's stress involved in this as well. But all these things are just phenomena that arise, last for a time, and then fade away. It's just we don't know that, we don't see it. We understand that suffering is something natural and necessary. But we don't see that the stress arises from causes and conditions. So in life, sometimes we meet with sources of distress, of the kind that we can't solve. We can't find a way to free ourselves from that. And then we really know what it's like to suffer in our hearts. So we try to find a way out. And some people, um, they try to find a way out by going to fortune tellers. While others, they're really deluded in the methods that they use. They use wrong techniques, like getting drunk or going out um, on the town at night. It shows that they're lost. But those people who have wisdom and who have merit, who have sufficient barami, they may have some friends uh, who are good people, and they'll take them to listen to the teachings of the Buddha. And then through that, they can find a way out of the suffering that's correct and good. So the studying that we do is very important, because whenever stress arises, then we can study this path of sila, samadhi, and panya. We all have an understanding of what sila is like. And before we were born into this life and we weren't restrained, we hadn't um, 
collected our actions within the bounds of morality. But then through sila, we come to restrain our actions of body and speech to keep them in, in line with what's right and correct. And even though at times there may be very strong feelings in the heart of love and hate and fear, but still we keep our sila. So there may also be a lot of bad and maybe even evil thoughts going on in the mind, but we don't follow those. Even though they're present, we don't act upon those. So next there's the studying of samadhi. And sometimes the mind is in a very agitated and unsettled state, perhaps to the point where we have insomnia, just can't get to sleep. And this really damages the body. Maybe there's a lot of stress arising from work, there's pressure in our occupations, so we just can't get to sleep at night. And then this can damage the body in many ways. It raises our blood pressure, and it can cause the veins in the brain to burst. And there are a lot of people who experience that um, in these modern societies that we have, because they're so fast and there's so much pressure in them. So samadhi is a means that we can use to relieve that stress, so that our hearts find freedom from the sense impressions that we normally experience. When they're able to get this relief from these sensations, then the mind becomes empty. It's empty from those impressions. And so we can take that emptiness itself as uh, the means of developing samadhi, or we can know the breath, come and leave. Or we can contemplate, and contemplate everything as being empty. So when Aman see this and they reach a level of emptiness, then they'll also have peace and calm in them as well. Because during our normal lives, we experience so many sensations, and we overlay these with a sense of self, taking them personally as me and as mine. But we have to come to the understanding that these things really don't belong to me. We have to understand their truth, and the way we do that is through samadhi. So the samadhi, the collectiveness of mind, it brings emptiness to one degree. And this is the contemplation or the, the studying of the firm establishing of the mind. But next there's the studying of wisdom. And this wisdom is intelligence and knowledge of a level that's higher than normal. There's a worldly wisdom that people gain from studying at school, and they use that in their work to gain money and to live their lives, but this isn't able to relieve the suffering that people experience in their hearts. The wisdom that the Buddha taught, however, was about the suffering, 
the noble truth of suffering, its cause, its cessation and the path leading to that cessation. And through following this, we gain and realize freedom. We're able to release the defilements, put them down, to abandon them, and so there's no place for them to stay. So we've escaped from them and from the uh, sense impressions temporarily. So this path of sila, samadhi, and panya is that which leads us out of suffering. So there's a level of wisdom that arises from listening and hearing things. And then we take what we've heard and we think that through and contemplate it. The mind, through this contemplation, becomes calm. And then we contemplate again. But here it's the real thing, that we gain true knowledge through that. Because the mind is peaceful, it's collected. So we come to know this self that we attach to. And even though the mind is proliferating at times, we get to know that proliferation as well. When the heart settles down in stillness and peace, then we'll see the truth of all these conventions. And a higher level of wisdom emerges from that. And this is uh, bhavana mayapanya, uh, the wisdom that comes through the cultivation of the mind that arises founded upon peace. So sila develops samadhi, and then the samadhi goes on to uh, give rise to wisdom. So it's the wisdom that comes from listening, and that which comes from thinking and contemplating. And this is all for understanding and knowing the truth. And when we get to know the truth more and more clearly, this develops into a higher level of wisdom, that which takes us above the world, above all of the sensations, that which allows the mind to become empty from all of its attachments. And initially, this is just a temporary experience. Some people don't like to sit in meditation for long times. Uh, but whenever they meet with their sensation, they're able to know what's going on, able to see it as a phenomenon that is arising. They can contemplate and get to know it and understand it. So when our hearts do have some degree of samadhi, then we can teach them in a way that they're able to come to an understanding of the truth. But the wisdom which is higher and more superior to any other kind is the wisdom of emptiness. It's the wisdom that we gain the knowledge that there really is no wisdom, that we don't have anything. And this is anatta, not self. It's the highest form. So wisdom has different levels. There's the normal kind of wisdom. And then there's that which uh, the average practitioner has. That we gain an understanding following conventions, following the things that we've read about. And then there's the wisdom from meditation. 
And we're able to take that and we can explain the Dhamma on a more refined level. So the awakened teachers, they said that we should put down the scriptures and come to study directly our hearts. No matter what posture we're in, whether we're doing sitting meditation or walking meditation, we look right at our hearts. And Puchar said that it's not necessary to record the Dhamma. We don't need to use a tape recorder to do that, but we use our hearts to do it instead. And then when the mind is peaceful, the memory of what we've heard will arise again. And this will come to solve the problems that we are experiencing in our minds. So this is the arising of wisdom. So wisdom is an all-around knowing, um, a thorough understanding of sankharas, of conditioned phenomena, whether they're physical or mental phenomena. But we know them in line with their truth. Wisdom is the knowledge of the body as just being elements. And this comes through contemplating it, seeing it as being empty, seeing the body as just a body, knowing Vedana, feelings, as just feelings, seeing the mind clearly and understanding that it's just a mind, seeing Dhammas as just Dhammas. So we know all these things. And when we get to know that, then this is wisdom coming up, the wisdom of anatta. And it's like we don't have wisdom because we don't have anything. So the disciples of the Buddha, they had one level of wisdom. And then there were the great disciples. They had a higher level of wisdom. Then there was the right and left-hand disciples of the Buddha, they had a higher level still. But the wisdom of the fully self-awakened Buddha was above all of them. Even though he had reached this, um, this level of wisdom, he didn't attach to it, he didn't attach to anything. It was a panya that was pure and free, the highest form. So for us, we try to cultivate our wisdom as well. And maybe we don't get that high, but we should try to, uh, still try to develop it and try to abandon and let go of things, following the teachings of the Buddha. So that we can understand this true Dhamma. So the studying that we do it's for the purpose of gaining knowledge. And this comes through our practice. Um, so we both need to study and to practice as well. But when we practice, we do that guided by wisdom as well. Not guided by our craving. Because if it's our craving that is uh, pushing our practice along, then it will push it towards chaos and confusion. So we need this wisdom to help us, to guide us to abandon these kilesas that are present in our hearts, to just put things down in the present moment little by little. And it's an easy kind of practice. We just have mindfulness here 
knowing what the mind is like, knowing the state of the mind, putting down all the things that cause us suffering. And through this, we're abandoning suffering, the causes of suffering. Sometimes we may doubt this. We think, is that all there is to it? It can't be as easy as that, surely. And we think that it's easy, but really it's not that easy. We're looking at it another way. It's actually not so tough either, but are we able to do it? Teaching the mind to not attach to things. Sometimes we can do that, but sometimes we can't. At times our samadhi isn't so stable, our mindfulness is weak, and so the kilesas hold victory over our hearts. So we need, therefore, to put in our efforts and try in this path of practice. Contemplate with wisdom. No matter what we're doing, we have mindfulness, we're aware, so that wisdom is allowed to arise within the heart. The light that the sun shines on the world, it helps us to gain warmth so that we can survive. It helps us to be able to see the things here clearly. But it's not able to shine lights, light into our hearts. It's only wisdom that can brighten our hearts up. So we need to depend upon this banya, and we need to cultivate it. If we only have a little, then we need to raise up a lot. We need to develop it a lot. In the beginning, we depend upon the belief and the trust that we have in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And then from this, uh, wisdom can come up. And there's both wisdom and faith in our practice. So we follow the teachings of the fully self-awakened Buddha, the path of practice that the great teachers taught, that they themselves practiced and were able to attain through the Dhamma based upon uh, those practices that they did, like Lumpur Cha and Lungta Mahabur. They both attained to the stage of arahantship. So we maintain mindfulness a lot. We chant a lot. We meditate a lot. We keep our actions of body and speech within the bounds of sila. And we try to bring our hearts into a state of samadhi. And then from this, wisdom will have to arise. We shouldn't become discouraged in the practice either. Even though it's hard, still we carry on, we do it. All of the aspects of the routine and the duties that we have as monks, and we use this as our measuring stick as to how good we are. Are we able to chant very frequently? How many hours do we spend sitting in meditation? We try to maintain the standard that's been set down. And if we can't keep that, it shows that we're lazy. It shows that there's a lot of defilements there. If the monks don't go to the chanting, that's just based on defilement. If they don't go in arms round, then that's defilement. It shows that there's a lot of selfishness. So we need to live our lives through a sense of sacrifice, of giving. 
trying to keep the standard that's been laid down, to not be lax, to always be raising up our efforts, and in the end we will meet with peace. And also, listening to the Dhamma is something that we should do frequently as well. Because when we attend to the Dhamma with mindfulness, then wisdom develops in our hearts, and it's able to solve the problems that we meet with. For myself, I really like this as well. I enjoyed listening to the Dhamma very much. The heart, my heart became very uh, radiant and bright, and I was able to slowly but surely gain an understanding of the Dhamma. This increased the belief and the faith that I had in the teachings, and my efforts grew accordingly. And then peace became firmly established. And I was able to gain a clear knowledge within my heart, and wisdom could come up. So we should all put our efforts into studying and into practicing in this way. And in the end, every single one of you will meet with the fruits of this practice.